Well, good morning. For those of you that I haven't met, I'm Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am privileged to make a brief introduction uh, to you. Before I do that, I want to also acknowledge that uh, we've got Ron and Gay Hopteling with us today. We've been missing them. They've been a little bit sick lately, and uh, we're going to miss them a lot more because they are just about to make a move to Idaho. So we just wanted to say publicly how much we love you guys. We're praying for this transition time for you. It uh, means a lot to us that you got well enough to be able to come worship with us today. So God bless you. We uh, are privileged today to hear a little testimony from uh, Dustin and Christina Reed. Back here on the base, where's Christina? Come on up here and join me. Great. So if you've not had the privilege of meeting these guys yet, um, that's your loss, and you're going to want to do something about that. (laughs) Because these guys have been around uh, since September, maybe, or was it the summer? Okay. And uh, they uh, had recently moved here from Birmingham, Alabama, and they are graduates of Samford University down there, where I've had three nieces attend, so it's kind of near and dear to my own heart. Uh, They are both pharmacists and uh, have had some uh, international experience in serving the Lord and are looking to have more of that in the future. I'm not going to steal any of their story. Uh, But they are involved in a small group around here. If you've been receiving the email testimonies about Make My Life a Bridge, uh, Dustin's been getting that out to us, and so we appreciate that. That's been a real uh, point of inspiration. And uh, we're not only excited about who you are, we're excited about what God is doing in you and what future chapters may be. And uh, we're thrilled that you're here at uh, Meadowbrook during this chapter of your life. So share a little bit with us, will you? Sure, no problem. So uh, many of you may not know who you are, but my name is Dustin Reed, and this is my wife, Christina. Uh, we did move here back, uh, I guess it was June of last year, and we started attending Meadowbrook about seven months ago, I guess. Uh, we are both pharmacists. Uh, we graduated in 2006, and we came out here from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, so I guess when we were asked to speak, since this is Missions Month, we um, were asked to speak a little bit about how missions is working through our lives and how God is trying to um, influence us. And so I guess um, initially when we um, first met in pharmacy school in 2003, we um, found out that you know we both had the same calling, the same passion to do mission work. And so... That was extraordinary for us. Would uh, put us together. We found it was an, an awesome call for the two of us. And so, um, since we, um, so I guess, like, like Scott said, we do have some international experience. When we got married in 2006, we uh, had a chance to go to Macau, China, for a month. And we worked with some international mission board missionaries there uh, for the time. And so we, it was kind of split in half where we spent two weeks in the clinic working and we spent two weeks doing um, evangelism out in the community, passing out Bibles and uh, speaking with the casino workers that are there. And it was a, an amazing experience for us and it really pulled us closer together um, and it really influenced us to pursue our call to missions. So um, initially when we first started, um, our call. I was in our teenage years. Uh, I had a few mission trips uh, during that time period, and um, it was always as if when the trip was over, I didn't feel as if I had done enough or could do enough to influence the people towards Christ more as if a week or a month just wasn't long enough for me. And Christina has had a calling on her life for number of years now. She has a grandmother who is very passionate into missions um, in Panama, 
and she's been down there several times with her. And so just through our teenage years up, we just have absolutely loved missions work, and we are really excited to pursue it in our future. Um, so uh, our trip to China was really, I guess, formative. I think it helped us really uh, put in concrete our, our call and um, kind of confirmed what we had thought God was calling to us to all along. And so we just, there's this huge world, and it needs Christ so desperately. And um, um, and they're just, it's needy beyond our belief. And so we, we've kind of felt that God is saying that we didn't need to wait for a specific call from him, that he's already made that command. And so we're, we're working to be obedient towards him now. Um, so I just kind of wanted to tell you a few things about how we are being intentional about following God's call in our life. Uh, first of all, when we finally finished pharmacy school, we we started praying about where God wanted us to go from there. We did feel like it was um, that he didn't want us to stay necessarily in Alabama. And so kind of through a series of events, um, in the end, we really felt like he was leading us to Seattle. And it seemed to fit perfectly because... Uh, somewhere in that prayer time, we learned that Seattle is considered one of the least evangelical Christian cities in the in the United States, and so we thought, well, gosh, maybe God is giving us this the stepping stone, um, perhaps leading us towards slowly <laughs> towards international missions. Um, but we do have things holding us back at the moment. The main thing I think is. Uh, we have this huge pile of student loans left over from Sanford, <laughs> and um, we've got to get those paid off before we can get on the mission field. So kind of our main focus right now is to pay off our student loans. So we have joined the Financial Peace University class here, and um, we've developed a, a careful budget that we are we're trying to be very frugal with our money and and put as much of it into loans as we can. And we're, we're even working on um, ways to free up even more of that money for loans. Like right now we're paying rent. Um, and we live in a, like a two-bedroom townhouse. But we are hoping later this year to move in with some people to free up a good bit of our rent money to, um, to put into those loans. So that's kind of our, our huge intention right now is, is that. Um, but... That said, we, we know that our call has already started, and so we are here to be intentional. Um, we, we want to actually join you, our church family, in bringing Christ to this area. And um, so uh, we're not going to wait. We're going to get started. And so... Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so when we first got here, we, we actually had some trouble finding a church that we, we felt called to. And so we, we emailed the IMV and the International Mission Board and said, um, hey, do you um, have any suggestions on a church to go to? And, and Meadowbrook was it. That's what they suggested. So we came and we, um, we 
got here and like the first day we were just drawn in. We we just it seems like you guys have a passion for missions and and um, are just so alive and excited and. Um, Actually, the first day we were here, the pastor was talking about um, the solemn assembly and how he had such a heart to bring us back in a relationship with God and um, working with him to bring to bring um, this area back to Christ. And so it was like the perfect week. I mean, I think that was another affirmation that God was calling us to, to come and join you guys. So... Um, well, and I forgot to tell you uh, another point I was going to make earlier <laughs> was that we, we, um, we've we also talked to the International Mission Board already. That's another um, thing that we've done. It's it's kind of a first step you can do where you just uh, fill out their initial form and you talk to some people. It's, like, noncommittal, but it's, it's a way to get to know, like, how the process is going to look when, indeed, you are called to get on the field. So if anyone's interested in missions or think they might be with the IMV, it's a good first step. So um, we've done that as well. Um, but uh, hang on, i got to switch. I have to look at what I was going to say. Um, so, so anyway, yeah, that was, it was the perfect week for us to be here. And so um, we're just sort of on the brink of what we think God is, is leading us to do here. We don't even know everything yet. We're just barely starting to get involved, but, um, but we're really, we're certain that we're going to learn a lot from you guys, and we um, hope that we can encourage you with our call, and just to sort of leave off on God's word, um, Ephesians 2.10 says, um, we are God's workmanship, and I could even say we are God's poem, if you will, <laughs> um, created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God has called um, for us to do in advance and um, there's nothing more exciting than being in that I, I can only see joy in heading down that road so we're excited thanks Yet my day is 
Well, it's my privilege to introduce our guest speakers today, Scott and Denise Wood. And a few demographics about Scott and Denise are that Scott is a native of Washington State, and Denise was in a Navy family. And they met on the campus of Central um, Central University, right? Um, and uh, Scott was studying to be an engineer, I understand, and he got his degree in engineering. And... Um, then he got his Master of Divinity at Northwestern Bowling Gate in Vancouver, Washington. Um, while Scott and Denise were students on campus, they both felt a call to missions at Central. And uh, much time has passed. And they've uh, been on assignment uh, with the IMB and gone to several places that they'll tell you about. But I want to say now that I bet they're going through separation anxiety. I know they are because their two children are grown now. And uh, their son Nathan Nathan is a senior at Central. And Hannah is a freshman at uh, California Baptist University. Is that correct? Okay. Now, uh, enough of the demographics. Um, I am really enthused to have them here because I know Scott. And I know Denise kind of vicariously because this is the second time I've heard Scott as a speaker. He uh, was invited to be the mission speaker for <coughs> mission emphasis at First Baptist in Bothell. And uh, I, I was so impressed. You were 
we neither one of us can remember when that was, but it was several years ago. <laughs> and um, he, what I was so impressed with is that he was so enthusiastic. And at that time, I think you were wearing the same shirt, Scott. <laughs> Never changed. <laughs> at, at any rate, uh, we appreciate him, appreciate him so much. And what he did that uh, uh, connected with me is that um, he was passing out uh, uh, a list for people that were interested in communicating with him on his uh, first trip to Russia, right? Uh, and so I signed up. I usually don't sign up for things like that. But little did I know what a good correspondent he was. And so off he goes to Russia, and um, I can't even say the name of the place, but we have teams here, Scott and Denise, that have been to Russia, so you have a lot in common. Uh, in fact, anybody who's been to Russia knows a little bit about the bureaucracy and the difficulties that they make for uh, visitors well, um, Scott and Denise got caught in one of those snafus, and the next thing they know, they're off to the Czech Republic. And now uh, you're going to hear that uh, they're, oh, for, is it a year that you're on assignment uh, in the States? Um, they are uh, gallivanting all around the U.S. They've been to Florida. They've been to California uh, while they're on a year on assignment, and they're here. We captured them, but they're planning to go to Poland, so... Um, you will find, I think you've already seen Denise and Scott, that uh, Meadowbrook really welcomes you because they really have a heart for missions, and I think you've seen it in the service, and they really will be interested in what you have to say. So welcome, Scott and Denise. Thank you so much. Actually, we're going to need this one, so. Отлично, мы можем говорить по-русски. Вы знаете, как говорить по-русски? We believe Tom. Atlichna. Excellent. We'll just do the whole service in Russia. <laughs> That'd be cool. Well, thank you for that great introduction. <coughs> that saves um, me. She told you everything about ourselves. <laughs> um, Done. Let's go sit down. <laughs> but, um, yeah, when we were in college, though, that was when the initial call from the Lord came. And we actually got married in college at Central um, when we were 20. And so in our senior year there, uh, we felt God leading us to um, go overseas. And this was in 19, I'm going to age myself, but you already know we had kids in college. But this was in 1987 and 1988. And so um, we felt God calling us to go with the journeyman program, which is a two-year program for uh, students just out of college with the International Mission Board. And um, we got their list of requests, and there was only one place on the list that appealed to us, and it was a place called uh, Roeclaw, Poland. And we filled out the forms, and we were so excited. We just knew this is where God wanted us to be. And so we uh, went back to uh, Richmond, Virginia, where the headquarters were. And as we were there, we looked at the videos, and we talked with people. Oh, we were ready. We're sign us up. We are going to Poland. We sat down with our consultant, and he's like, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't even get a visa to get into the country without having a master's in English. Um, because at this time, remember, it was still communism. Significant, it wasn't until 1989 that communism fell. So, um, so we, there was no way, absolutely zip up. He said, sorry, you're going to have to look at another thing here. Uh, see if there's something else that God's leading you to because you're not going to Poland. Nothing else appealed to us. God placed our hearts in Central and Eastern Europe at that time. And um, we came back. We were very discouraged, disappointed, confused, to be quite honest. God 
were so certain this was what you had called us to do. And um, But it wasn't time. And it's neat how God can use callings. But then uses a lot of time forming you and molding you and growing you and shaping you into who he needs you to be. So you can be the person on the field that he wants. Anyway, so the next few years, Scott went on to be do engineering in the Tacoma area. Our daughter was born. And um, after a few years, then God was like, okay, now it's time for you to start considering this. And that's when he went on to seminary. And we uh, served in several churches on staff um, in uh, Scappoose, Oregon, Portland, Oregon. And then now uh, the most recent was, of course, it's 12 years ago. How recent is that? But in uh, Kennewick, Washington. And um, God did start us in Russia. Um, that, that call to work with Central and Eastern Europeans was still there. It was strong. And, um, and as she said, with the government forced us out after five years. And then we ended up in Prague, Czech Republic. And um, so I would like to share with you a little bit about Prague in a moment and tell you about what God has been doing in the last six years that we've been there. I want you to just join me in looking and seeing how amazing God is. And just that he is constantly at work, whether we see it or not. And um, and then later, Scott will also share with you a little bit more about what we're going to be doing. I got my own oh, mic. Yeah, yeah, I'm special. <laughs> 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 well, what's wonderful is that you've been to Russia, too, so that you know how it goes. And you've probably been to a Russian service. We've had the testimony time. Denise is sharing sermon number two, and I'll have sermon number three. So you can guess. You're going to be sitting there for a while, so get comfortable. No, we'll try really hard to, to stay focused. Um, I want to say, if you'll pass that on, thank you. Thank you on behalf of all of us at the International Mission Board. We don't always communicate properly. Go figure. We're married 25 years. I mean, she can't read my mind yet. What's up with that? Still working we, on it. Yeah, she's pretty good. I'm the one that... Uh, we want to th- say thank you because you, as a Southern Baptist Church, make it possible for Denise and I... And some 5,000 other International Mission Board missionaries, some of which we don't call missionaries and things like that. But all of us want to say thank you because you make it possible for us to go through when you give here today. A portion of that will go into what's called the cooperative program. I won't give you a lot of details, but but want you to understand how then 64,000 or so Southern Baptist churches, we all then that money that is is brought together. It's then split up and goes to different entities and parts of who we are as as the Southern Baptists. And a 51 percent of those monies go to the International Mission Board. Then uh, the only other way that we gain support the material support for going overseas is then through the international through the uh, lighting moon Christmas offering. And and it's only through those ways that God provides and makes it possible for us to go. That is number one way that we want to say thank you. Number two is Kathleen is uh, very much indicative of one of those is some of you specifically pray for us and we want to give you that opportunity. And if you will come and get one of our cards at the end of the time out there on the table and you would write us, then I'll put you on that list and, uh, and you'll start getting those crazy updates that come from Scott. Um, we just can't, we just can't imagine what life would be like without you because frankly, it wouldn't be possible to do and to serve in the way that we do. All right. A little bit about Prague. 
Prague, Czech Republic, is uh, in the center of Europe. Um, it's just it's right there by Germany. Most people have a clue where Germany is, if not Czech Republic. So it's just south and west of, or east of Germany, and um, it is a beautiful, beautiful city. Prague is the capital. It's the heart of Bohemia. If you've heard of Bohemians, this is the people. And um, so I just want to take you on a brief tour. I will be honest, Prague is the most beautiful city in the world, in my opinion. It is stunning and beautiful. I would encourage you just to come travel and see it. Um, God has richly blessed um, this culture. It was not damaged during World War II, which is a lot of the reason why it's still um, so lovely. This is Wenceslas Square. This is the main square in town and uh, named after old good King Wenceslas. You know the Christmas Carol? Well, there really was one. He's on that horse there in the center of that statue. This is the museum. And uh, this is Prague. By the way, I did take these pictures myself. I am not a professional photographer. Prague is just so beautiful that anyone can take a decent picture. I mean, it's just an amazing place. This is Prague Castle. And uh, that's the Charles Bridge in front of it. Charles Bridge was built in 1357. And it's still standing. It's an amazing structure. A little bit closer, there's St. Vitus's, that's the cathedral in the center, and uh, the heart of the castle. This is Charles Bridge, and that's going into the Malastrana, the small or little square. And then this is the old town square. This is the heart of the old uh, Prague, and it's a walking center now. And um, this is Ting Cathedral, also built in the 1300s uh, during the golden age of uh, Charles uh, King Charles IV and uh, what he did there uh, in his great uh, building programs. All this lovely Gothic style, which I'm partial to. And then and in front of that, in the center of the square, is a statue of this man named Jan Hus. I'd like to tell you just a little bit about him. Have any of you heard of a man named John Hus before? Or Jan Hus? Yeah. Um, most of you haven't, though. Have you ever heard of the guy named Martin Luther? Yeah, most of you, if not all of you, have heard of Martin Luther. You know, Jan Hus, John Hus, lived a hundred years before Martin Luther, but he was just as instrumental in the Reformation as Martin Luther was, and before him then, of course, was Wycliffe. God used men like John Hus. We are actually spiritual descendants of him. I don't know if you recognize that, but the impact of what God did in Prague in the 1300s and 1400s and even on is is, 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 you can't even describe it. Because what he did is he was the one who was willing to say as a Catholic priest, and he was actually the first uh, rector of the um, college there, in, uh, or the university there, in, in Charles University in Prague. And he said, you know what? When I read these scriptures, first of all, I agree with Wycliffe. We need to be doing this in the people's language. They don't know Latin. Why am I doing Mass in Latin? So he started translating the scriptures into Czech. He would write on the walls scriptures in Czech so that the Czech people could actually understand God's word for themselves and not always have to have it interpreted by the priest. There were some other issues that he also brought to light. Well, one of the reasons why we don't hear about him was is he was martyred. He was actually burned at the stake in uh, Germany by the Catholic Church who did not appreciate his viewpoint on a lot of this. Um, and then have you heard of a group called the Moravians? Yeah, for some of you, the Moravians, they're actually a different separate state in Czech Republic now. You have Bohemia and Moravia as two of the three states. And um, their rich spiritual heritage, 
Okay, the Moravians were influenced by the teachings of Jan Hus, called themselves Hussites. And um, when the Catholic um, kingdom of Austria, Austro-Hungarian Empire came in in the 1600s, when we were just settling Plymouth Rock, um, they were oppressing anyone who was not of the Catholic faith. They did not like the Protestants at all. So this group of Moravians went on up to Germany. And uh, again, spiritual descendants. In fact, um, these Moravians had a 24-hour prayer vigil for a hundred years. A hundred years. There was always someone praying and keeping, lifting up their prayers to the Lord. God used this group mightily. They actually would sell themselves into slavery in order to become missionaries to slaves. What a sacrifice to the Caribbean. They actually sold themselves into slavery. Others of them would um, go around the world and help encourage others. They were the ones who led Charles and John Wesley to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Charles John Wesley? Anyone know those names? Yeah. God used these guys. They actually were the impetus that God used to start what we would consider the modern missionary movement in the 1700s. So this culture, this country, these people have an amazingly rich, rich spiritual heritage that you and I are the actual spiritual descendants of. What's it like today, though? Czech Republic is the most atheistic nation in all of Europe today. When communism came in in 1945 after World War II, they imposed on them not only the communism, but they imposed on them the atheism. And for whatever reason, the Czechs embraced it. Embraced it. They have no desire to turn back to any kind of Catholicism or any belief in God whatsoever. They're quite proud of being atheists. Um, I was in a restaurant just before we came back to the States, and there was a young man who was 18 years old, and he was serving in one of my... Um, people that I was with, she asked me, she said, so what do you think about God? And he said, oh, well, I'm Czech, so I'm atheist. So there's even this identity now that, oh, well, I'm Czech, I'm atheist. So there's a huge, huge spiritual barrier to people's lives. And so you ask, well, where do you go when you need help? Where do you, where do you turn to? And um, so in asking several, several people what they do when they need to have um, rejuvenation, joy in their lives, they go out to nature. That is their way. Czechs are very unified with nature, hiking. It's even integrated in their school systems, how much they do nature schools and ski weeks every winter for every grade. So um, just a little bit of insight into the spiritual condition of where Czechs are at. I'd like to share with you a little bit about what God is doing. Um, We've been having an English group on Monday nights, and um, this is actually our apartment that we had in Prague, and uh, we were having our Monday night, uh, that's my birthday party, <laughs> and we, we had them all, and uh, my mom and dad are there, and uh, we were having cake and all kinds of fun stuff, but these are Czech adults who have been coming and meeting with us for about six years, ever since we first arrived, and um, as a native Northwesterner, um, we can identify, as I know every one of you can, how hard it is to talk about spiritual things with people who just are not interested in anything spiritual, and particularly anything having to do with Christ. And um, we've had the same battles there. In fact, honestly, our time in the Czech Republic, or our time in growing up here in Washington, has greatly um, helped us to be able to understand and relate better to the people in pretty much most of Europe. 
This is our family English camps that we've had, um, where we invite their whole families, and we have had them the last few summers. It's a great time to have some intense one-on-one with them and uh, really invest our lives. They watch us. They look at us and how we deal with our families and our children. In fact, we've even had some say, well, you know, your children, do they all act like that? You know, I mean, are all American kids as well-behaved as yours and respectful of you? And we're like, uh, uh, no, not really. And there's like, well, is it your faith then that makes the difference? I can say, absolutely. That's exactly what makes the difference. There are a couple people that I would like to share with you. If you would take notes or anything, I would encourage you to write their names down and pray for them. Real briefly, this is Dasha and Peter. Dasha and Peter grew up atheists. One of the stories about Dasha, when she was a little girl, she's the same age as me, mid-40s, and um, she went into church with her grandmother. Her grandmother wanted, she was just curious what the inside of the church was like, so her grandmother took her inside when she was about five years old. When they got home, their father found out where they had been. Her father was furious with the grandmother and said, don't you ever take her into a church again, ever. That was Dasha's first impression of church. She hadn't really thought about spiritual things until God started working in her life. Through the years and the contacts and just God's work, his Holy Spirit working in her, she's been reading the Bible with her family. They've been reading the parables of Jesus trying to understand a little bit more. She even says, when I read the Bible, I just feel so much better. There's just something different. There's just, I don't know how to describe it, but I just feel so much better. And um, so I would like, Dasha and Peter, though, are not there yet. When we met with them shortly before we came back from the States and we had dinner at their house, she brought up the topic of, of spirituality again and Christianity. And she said, you know, she said, I think you're a Christian because you grew up in the church. And that's why you believe. She said, I think I'm too old to become a Christian. She said, I want to believe, but I I don't. I can't. I can't believe I don't have the faith. She said, I think think if I'd have grown up, maybe, but I don't have the faith. My prayer is that, especially for those of you who did come to Christ from non-Christian homes, especially for those of you who did come to Christ later in life, you are absolutely there to be able to say, Dasha, whoa, <laughs> you are never too old to come to faith in Christ. God can do miracles in our lives at any stage. Pray for Dasha and for Peter, that God would work in their lives, that God would continue to reveal himself, that Dasha would not turn away. She's actually started exploring Buddhism, I found out recently. And um, she's searching. She's searching. She knows there's something she's missing. But please pray for her. I pray specifically that God would lead another believer, maybe even a Czech believer, into her life that can say, this is, this is what it's about. Don't make it an excuse not to become a Christian because you think it's too late. This is Andrew. Andrew is a young man who um, is 15 years old. He's been coming to our family camps. His mom and dad have been going to our English classes, Renata and Martin. And um, God is working in Andrew's life. Um, it's awesome to see what God is doing. Again, he was raised not believing anything. But I believe it's also important that we continue to remember this next generation. We find that with the students we work with through Campus Crusade, as well as um, young men like Andrew, that God 
is working in that generation. They see the void. They, they see the nihilism that's involved in the atheistic mentality, the atheistic worldview. And they're like, I, I don't really want that. That just seems too too depressing. I believe there's something out there, but I'm not sure what it is, is usually the response I get from almost every student I've met with, which is several. And um, Andrew is one who comes to our family camps. He loves it. He just lights up, as you can see, this photo captures. And um, he sees a difference. He started recently going to a Christian youth group. It's an English-speaking youth group, but it has international students and kids from all over Prague and all over the world. And um, so pray for Andrew, that the Holy Spirit would continue to work in him, and that Andrew would respond and say, yes, this is what I want. This is what I see that's different in these people that I'm around, and that he will not turn his back on it, but that he will embrace it and cling to it. And uh, that his family, his mother and father, especially Renata and Martin, would also see this and say, yeah, I'm ready. I want this. Well, you've been hearing Denise talk about basically the answer to this question, the testimony time and others. Many of you, it sounds like you've been on mission trips. You have an idea probably of what do missionaries do as we've been preparing to go in December this year to Poland. This has been my original prayer. And I've been, okay, Lord, what is it you're wanting us to do? New assignment, new possibilities, new, new everything in a sense. <clears throat> We're really excited about what, what the Lord wants us to do. But the more I struggled with, wow, is that the right question? Is that really, really, truly, which go to the next slide, what the Lord is saying is most vital? And I don't believe that is anymore. The question now I'm asking the Lord to reveal is who are missionaries? Who, what we do comes out of who we are, right? And that more and more the Lord is convicting me, absolutely, this must be set before we can do any of the other things correctly. There's no way that we can listen to the Lord unless we are truly surrendered to Him and things like that. Oh man, more and more, I'm so excited about the Lord convicting me. It's spending time. It's becoming who he wants me to be. And it may even sound too simple and kind of a sit back and, and maybe not do things kind of, a, of an attitude. But no, absolutely opposite. It's that, it's that putting on the armor, as we read, that Paul talks about and things like that, where, where he said, why do you put on the armor? It's to stand firm. And you think, wait a minute, I put on armor to go in the war. God does things differently. And as I struggle with personally, what does God do differently and why and things like that? The only questions that can be answered are through the who we become as we become more and more like Christ. Would you go to the next one? So the Lord's been challenging me with questions like, well, I struggled with this in the past. But, but wasn't everything so different in the Old Testament, in the New Testament? And the day the Lord brought those together and said, I have never changed. I will never change. Boy, it was just radical for me. And part of that is, and you'll see how it fits in with so many things, is the, the Shema. Deuteronomy 6, the Hasidic Jew, the, the Orthodox, the most, if you've ever seen them with the hats and the curls, and the, you probably don't see them with the phylacteries. That's the little boxes that go on their heads and stuff like that, unless they're at the Wailing Wall and stuff like that. But, but that's who these guys, they would say this at least three times a day. They wake up and midday and, and the evenings. And yet there's a disconnect with what this really means. And I'm going to have Denise read that right now. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk down the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And we're going to go through this quickly. But do you hear that? That is amazing. I, I hope you'll look at that. And we're going to leave that. Oops, go back to the last one. So you may want to look at that just for a moment or so longer. I hope you would today. Maybe mark that in your Bible some way. That, that is so amazing. So what I hear God saying is that we must, simplified, fall in love with God. And then everything that we do at all times, whether we're driving, whether we're sitting at home watching TV, whether we're going to the store, we're getting gas, it doesn't matter. In everything, he told them thousands and thousands of years, even before Jesus, it's really as simple as fall in love with God and pass that on to your children. Well, that sounds a lot like something else I heard somebody else talk about. Pretty important guy in the New Testament. Let's go ahead and go to that in Matthew. Matthew 28. Now, I hope that's a a fairly familiar verse to to many of you. The Great Commission. How incredible. Denise is going to go ahead and find that here. And then she'll read that. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Does that sound at all familiar? In a sense, now maybe it's because I've been spending so much time with this, that's, I hear the Shema. I hear God saying so much longer before this time when Jesus is telling this, the last words we understand Jesus is sharing with his disciples, which essentially then also means us, is he's leaving the marching orders. And I hear him tying everything together and saying, really, it's all about that love relationship with God. Now, it's not in the same words and all of that, but falling in love with God through Jesus. Now we understand that personal relationship is possible because of him, what he did on the cross and raising again. That then out of that, that's when we start to do because we become who God wants us to be. We are then having the possibility to to do the things that he wants us to do. And then there are so many things and we don't have time to dig through those. I hope you will. We'll spend some time this week, maybe even today, as the Lord would say, I, I, I want you to spend some time. Is see those elements in the Deuteronomy 6 and here in Matthew 28. And of course, throughout the Gospels and Jesus teachings of all of the kinds of things that then he would lead us to do in that process of becoming more and more like him. So I believe As we become who he wants us to be as missionaries. And by the way, how many missionaries are here today? Just show of hands. Absolutely. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I believe you're a missionary. Because that Matthew 28, as I understand it, that go concept. 
That go is from anywhere from this place that I will be located at any time in space ever at any time. It's going from this place to anywhere else. Unless you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you have not surrendered to him, if you are not a Christian, then then you don't have that opportunity to go, as Jesus told us in that Matthew 28. And I challenge you to put that to rest today, to make that decision today, according to his will and calling in your life. And I would encourage you to find one of the pastors here and, and talk more with them about it if you have questions. And maybe at the end of the church service today, you say, it's time. I'm ready to surrender to him. But we who have become his... We then go from this moment. So that's that Shema. That's going everything that we do. Isn't that amazing concept? And yet that's pretty scary. Because let's think about that. That means everything that we do. Every moment of every single day. I mean, if we ever thought the standard was high. It, it's literally higher than we can ever imagine. Because we don't ever get to make mistakes as Christians in some regard. We, we are called to be perfect, as a matter of fact, Jesus told us. As he is perfect. Now, what does that really look like in, in how he works that in our lives? Well, that's absolutely critical for us to work through. And I believe that's part of that word disciple. And that that's that process when in Matthew 28, he's telling us that we are to go and make disciples of all nations. And there that's the culmination, I believe, of the when we are becoming who he wants us to be. Then the doing as it flows out of that, that we are in that process of making disciples. And here's what I believe it looks like in general is that we need to have people. That we know specifically they do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So do you have people, when I ask you, do you have two, mu- two people in mind? You can name them right now. I hope at least two. How about four or ten? Okay. If we don't know non-Christians, then there's not a possibility that we're going to go ahead and see them in that process of making disciples. But if we do have some of them, we we know them by relationship enough that they are not Christians. Then I challenge you that I believe we are supposed to be very intentional in about how we spend some of our time in relating, especially to them, maybe even focusing intentionally on them. So how much time do we spend with those lost people? How how many times do we invite them to our home or or if it's at work that we encourage them to meet with us for lunch and maybe take them out to lunch and we pay most of the time, not just every other. I mean, wow, that sacrifices or things like that. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. But but are we going to live like Christ did? I mean, he died for us. He, everything that we have is his things like that. I encourage you that I encourage me that as Andrews and and the Renatas and all those others that are of our Czech friends that we're moving away from, that I believe the Lord is going to take us to the city in Poland, that that's going to be our focus is to get to know people who don't know Jesus and that we're going to then spend a lot of time with them. But then I believe the next step in that process is we need to be intentionally praying for them, praying for them, praying constantly Pounding on them in prayer, in love, of course, praying, getting other people to pray 
with us about them. And that's what Denise modeled so well also today. And that, that as I see this spectrum in my heart, and I don't know where this all goes, I, I'm asking the Lord to reveal it to me. But I believe those are just the pre-evangelism kinds of things. And however long that takes, that's each individual. But prayerfully, there's an opportunity to then physically say the words of the gospel in whatever form, probably many, many times after we've also then been modeling the gospel. And ultimately, there's the possibility in that disciple-making process that they say, okay, I give up. I need Jesus. Praise the Lord. That would be a wonderful day. But as disciple-making, the process, I don't believe, is over. Now, I believe that's what's so scary about the story of John Huss, is that in Czech Republic, in a multiple of 100 years, just two or 300 years, they go from being a nation radically changed as God was moving in a man who had extreme influence and control in many regards, affected a whole movement of people, radically saved, going throughout the world. You would think that in 100 years, they would be the most Christian nation, right, in all of Europe. And yet they're the most atheistic, as Denise said. What didn't happen? I don't know for sure, but I believe it had a lot to do with the disciple making. That there, there was that one generation kind of a scenario where you see it maybe in Wales in the, in the great revivals, radical revivals that were going on there as well in the last hundred or so years. Now today, almost nothing. The churches are empty. Will we see that in America? Are we seeing it in America and I believe we are dangerously in that process already today. Is that a hopeless state? Absolutely not. If we'll do things God's way, if we'll listen and we'll make disciples, we'll be missionaries, be what God wants us to be and do the things he's called us to do. It's really so amazingly simple when we start surrendering to it. So what does that process continue like? I pray that as we as we know those people who don't know Jesus, we spend time intentionally with them. We pray for them. We share the gospel with them in word and deed. We see them become Christians that then after they do accept the Lord, then we spend time with them intentionally going through this book. We don't quit meeting with them. That's the danger of what we've done from time to time in church. Is praise the Lord, they're a Christian. Come, sit and grow. Absolutely wonderful. But I believe the next step, the disciple maker, the missionary, is then called to take them through that process even more. Heard a wonderful story about a man who his conviction is that when he has the privilege to lead someone to the Lord, he then leaves his church to walk through the process with that new believer to wherever they feel led to go and attend church. Goes attends church with that person until they essentially are discipled and then he moves on. That's cool. And that that original disciple comes back to to the church that he feels is called home. Wow. That's pretty radical. That's pretty awesome. That we would continue and just walk through. Is it about knowing the right things? Is it about having everything set? No. The beauty of that process, I believe, is that Jesus as our teacher, the great disciple maker, that he walks us through that. And, and how incredible we are going to be the ones probably that grow just as much as the others in that process. So I, I'll finish our time with sharing 
that Denise, remember in 1988, she told you where we were feeling led? Well, if you read that, it's Roclaw. Lord's sending us back to the city. 20 plus years in the calling. We are excited to go. One of the other elements Denise shared was we couldn't get a visa at that time because we didn't have a degree. As a matter of fact, a master's degree in teaching English. Well, ironically, Denise will have one of those soon after we get back and we go there. Um, at the same time, though, now the visa issues are very radically different. But this, this very square, where we had the privilege to be last year, is where we believe that the Lord's going to have us go and make disciples. So what? We're going to spend time trying to meet those people who are walking around that square so that we can start praying for them, meeting with them, sharing the gospel, leading them to be disciples, and then God to send them out. I ask you to consider coming in the third way that you are partners with us as Southern Baptists and, and any others and not only do you give and make it possible and you pray, I hope, for us, but that you, some of you, many of you, by the sounds of it, go or, and or come <laughs> to our side of things. We challenge you, encourage you to pray about an event. 2012, between June 8th and 18th, we'll have six soccer games. The European Championships will be held for the first time in Ukraine and Poland. Six of those games will be held in our area of Poland. Three in the city where we're going to be at, Wrocław, and three to the north in the city of Poznan. And I believe the Lord wants us to have hundreds of volunteers to come and to do that disciple-making process. That as we are who God wants us to be in that process, that we are going to then go and do the things that he would call us to do, like playing Frisbee. We're just going to play Frisbee and hang out with people that are maybe in the line, going to the game, things like that. Chatting with them, playing Frisbee. And when we're done, we get their names so we can pray for them, things like that. We're going to hand them the Frisbee and encourage them to read the story underneath that Frisbee. It's going to be the gospel presentation. Now, there's times, right, when we don't get a chance to, to be the one to take somebody all the way through that process of being disciples. That's no problem. Praise the Lord. The Lord's got that worked out. But we're going to go during that time and we're going to intentionally be getting those names and contact information and things so that we have the possibility of seeing those people to come to be disciple makers themselves in the long term. So would you pray about coming to serve with us in that regard? And if you come and get one of our cards at the end of the time today, then uh, this one, matter of fact, um, unfortunately, it's not got the kids anymore. They've left us. <laughs> If you come and get one and, and write us there at the email up there at Team Wrocław or Rokla, then uh, we'd love to get you in that process. Also have put a uh, website together, and, uh, and that's growing also, that has the same name at .org. Thank you for the time. Pastor, I'm not sure how you want to close out the time and what that looks like, but I'm sure we've gone over, if nothing else. <laughs> blessing for us to get to meet you, to hear some of your story. It's always a blessing for us to be able to uh, kind of watch how God has done uh, the developing of, of a life like he has with you guys uh, back from the time of college up until the current time. 
We're going to pray for them in just a moment. We also want to pray for Dustin and Christina. And we're going to pray for all of us about what God's up to with us uh, with respect to mission. Most of you are aware there's a little luncheon that's going to be happening after the service today where we'll have some more conversation. There's some information tables out in the lobby. So uh, if you're not staying for lunch, maybe you'll want to linger for just a minute and have a couple of conversations, see uh, what the info is all about out there. Uh, I want to draw your attention to this card that is inserted in your program. Uh, the theme of these weeks has been, would you make my life a bridge, Lord? That's been our prayer. What would that look like, Lord, if my life was a bridge between you and someone else? You and someone that is uh, in my workplace, at uh, my recreation place, in my cul-de-sac, wherever. You've been thinking about that. You've been praying about that. You've been brainstorming and having conversations about that. Uh, we believe that God is going to do some very special things in the days and the weeks to come as your life is yielded to Him in bridge-making kinds of ways. That some of our friends and our, some of our acquaintances are going to be coming to faith and be eternally changed because of how He gets to use you. Now, this card is one of those little commitment tools that we've been drawing your attention to. Uh, as a part of all of these efforts, we have what we call a World Christian Offering. Our World Christian Offering includes uh, multiple other offerings that we don't do across the year. We just put them all together in one. And what we've been asking you to do is, would you pray, God, what would you have me to give to see happen all the projects that you've put on our hearts. And we're asking you to make a pledge about that with this card that you would uh, pay against up until December 31. So you've got several months to do that. If you felt like God was leading you, for example, to make a $500 pledge, that would be about $55 a month between now and then. You go, well, what's happening with that? Well, 50% of this offering will go directly to the International Mission Board for the support of personnel, 100% of it. Another 25% of it will go to plant churches in the Northwest and across North America. And we know how near and dear that is to us. We're one of those church plants that have benefited from that. So 50% would go to support missionaries like Scott and Denise, uh, Dustin and Christina someday, other uh, IMB personnel that we've met through the years, 25% to support church planting. And then that remaining 25% will be divided between a water and word project. Water meaning we're going to put a well in a village that doesn't have clean water. And the word, we're going to have uh, language-specific scriptures distributed in an area that doesn't have the word of God. I'm excited about those projects. What a wonderful way for us to be invested around the world over these next 12 months. And uh, in order to accomplish all of that, we need an offering that's going to be around $12,000 or more. And so God's uh, stirring us. He's directing us about how to get at that. And we're asking if you would make use of this little tool, prayerfully make a pledge, begin to fulfill your pledge across the coming months up until December 31. Drop this pledge in uh, the offering today as your commitment. You may have some other commitments that you want to make to God. 
And your connection card is a tool that will help you with that. Maybe as Scott and Denise were sharing, you were, you were concluding, you know what? I need to become a Christ follower. I just need to cross that line, settle that issue. And on the connection card, there's a little blank there that you can say, I want to have that relationship with Jesus. Check that. That will come to my attention, and I'll be pleased to follow up with you in a way that you want to, uh, to work at that. Maybe you are making a commitment today about going on one of our future projects. Maybe you're making a commitment about how you're going to be a bridge through all the ways you've been thinking about these weeks, and you want to just indicate that we'll be praying for you tomorrow morning about your commitment. But this is a time when we get to honor the Lord, we get to worship Him by more fully giving ourselves to Him in these ways. So before our ushers come and receive this, let me lead us in a word of prayer. Would you pray with me? So first of all, Father, we pray for our new friends, Scott and Denise. Thank you for how you've been at work in them, for these uh, friends that they have left behind in, in prior service, we pray, for their coming to faith in Christ, for their new assignment, we pray, that they would have all the grace, all the resource that they're going to need provided by you. And Lord, for others of us, you've been speaking to our hearts. You've been stirring us about being a bridge for Christ. We make commitments to you today that your will would be done in us as it is in heaven. For every uh, commitment for every pledge, we pray your blessing on it, that you'll multiply it over many times to your glory. And we pray that in Jesus' name.